Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, uh, doing a podcast live right now at the Gloucester County Historical Society. And it's in their museum building here on uh, their actual address is 17 Hunter Street in Woodbury, New Jersey. We were supposed to do a, a series of uh, videos um, dissecting uh, some of their objects here. We had two that have been canceled because of the situation with the virus. So here, um, doing a solo podcast and uh, just trying to explain uh, this particular one, the type of horology that, you know, a very small museum, uh, and what they have and what they offer to the public. And the one thing about the Gloucester County Historical Society, which I don't see in a myriad of other societies in the tri-state area, is they're not proactive. So here at Gloucester County, they're actually uh, doing conservation practices. They're trying to uh, stay um, issues that have arisen or, or stabilize others. And, and so they're on top of things. Uh, we have a conservation plan here at the society and the museum, which um, many other small historical societies don't even know what those few phrases even mean. They don't even see them in their lexicon. Um, so we have a, a very professional small museum here uh, located in Woodbury, New Jersey. So today we're going to walk through uh, just briefly, let, let everyone know who has a penchant for horological artifacts, particularly their tall or long case clocks, which they, they have a couple of wonderful ones. And the, 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 the beauty of some of these clocks are their local clocks. I mean, too many other historical societies have just stuff and objects that has nothing to do with the neighboring, the surrounds of the community, but not so here in, uh, in the Gloucester County Museum. Oh, so what we're looking at now is we're looking at a, a tall case clock from the third quarter of the 18th century by John Whitehead. So important figure he, between here, Woodbury and, and say Morristown, New Jersey, um, a prolific producer, may have produced 275 to 300 tall case clocks. So the, what we're going to do is just try to describe the Whitehead clock, and we're going to, we're going to go from the top down. The, the Whitehead clock that we have here is a, uh, has a split bonnet or hood of gooseneck design. The, the upper molding that, that traces the design of the gooseneck is very thin. It's uh, very different. It's uh, probably only a three-quarters inch by three-quarters inch. And the gooseneck is very vertical. As, as it comes midway into, into the tympanum, it, it jets straight upward. And uh, it terminates in, in carved rosettes in the cutout of the tympanum. And these rosettes are nothing more, almost like little nipples with rings. Um, so very, very basic stuff. Uh, has a center plinth and one center finial. And this is a cherry and figured cherry, uh, as we see it today. And it has been refinished, but uh, probably that new finish put on over 100 years ago. So the finish has started to age. It has a, a tad bit of crazing, but it's, it, it feels good. It feels good to the eye. It feels good to the touch. So under that center finial, that urn with a spire finial, we have a, uh, a, a plinth with no flutes, just a plain plinth uh, under the cap. And just take a look at the, the dial here um, for this John Whitehead clock. Let's open the door. We have some replaced glass, um, but it's, look, the glass has some waves in it, so the glass is probably in the mid, you know, the 19th century. And 
just to mention the colonnettes are just basically tapered uh, tapered columns, uh, no fluting, nothing of that sort. So it's somewhat on the plain side. But uh, Whitehead was famous for his white dials, and it is signed John Whitehead Woodbury on the dial. No, no New Jersey, just Woodbury. So it was right in the neighborhood within a few blocks. Uh, so it's a white painted dial. We have uh, Roman numerals, uh, seconds bit. The, the hands are uh, gilt, and uh, the minute hand, second hand are gilt. We have inset uh, rims for the winding holes. We have a date aperture below the center shaft. And uh, in the corners of where the spandles are, we have shells. We have four different kinds of shells, essentially with a little bit of a twist or bend representing the four seasons uh, in, the, in their, their motifs or their surrounding uh, foliage around the shells. We have two globes, which are projecting up into a rolling moon wheel. These globes are absolutely phenomenally painted. Uh, I suppose they're inked in, they're not, not actually painted. They would have to be if they're this fine. And uh, lines of latitude and longitude and the continents are represented well with several, uh, you know, several names written in representing those continents. And the moon wheel is in relatively good shape with, uh, with a little bit, of, uh, little bit of paint chipping, maybe a five to 10% loss overall. But overall, it's a wonderful patina and the patina of the dial. So, and you can see where someone's tried to clean it periodically, but they haven't taken any of the, uh, the initial uh, writings off the dial in any way, shape, or form. So, and the, the bonnet door is, is fitted with a locking key. And as we go down to the, uh, the, the under the hood molding, it's, it's a broad, upflowing cove, uh, terminating by a, a small OG under that as we come back to the, the, uh, the base of the case. Flanking down both sides of the mid door is a chamfer, uh, about a one and a half inch chamfer, and with a, a termination top and bottom of a lambstone. And the, the door, which, the mid door, which is fitted with lock and appears to be original key, and there's some talk and some, uh, some writings and some uh, paperwork about John Wood that's been taped or, or adhered to the inside of the door. The door is just a flat piece of, of timber um, which is encased or framed by eighth inch stock mitered at all four corners. And uh, it's re remained relatively flat, surprisingly, for, the, uh, you know, for a door of this nature. So as, uh, as we're opening up the, peering into the inside, um, we can see uh, you know, horizontal backboards. I remember some of these, some of these New Jersey clocks would have had total vertical backboards, all of English clocks do, but New Jersey had a lot of horizontal, that's just a way of their construction. And we have uh, the, the pendulum here on the clock is, uh, the pendulum has a bob, which is brass, it's highly tarnished, and the, the, uh, the cables have been replaced by nylon conservation. We have a nice sounding bell, high, high quality. And as we, we, we go down to the, uh, the base section of the molding, we have, we have an OG, a huge OG molding, uh, protruding out about two and three quarter inches and terminating in a base section. The front has an inset paddle. The sides are solid stock. Again, with chamfer and lamps topped down the, uh, the right and left corners. And the termination to the floor is, is a French style foot. Um, elevated approximately two and three quarters to, to three inches high. So 
So a very nice example of local horology, the John Whitehead, um, a must for everyone uh, in the county or subsequent counties to see. So we're moving into another uh, one of the museum rooms, and this is a clock by John Wood of Philadelphia. Now the you know the Wood family was prominent in the the you know, surrounding and founding of, of obviously Woodbury, but uh, you know the Wood family was a series of clockmakers uh, heavily embedded going back to around 1700 or before in Philadelphia. And uh, they, they're extended, there, there could be up to eight or nine various woods who made clocks. Um, we have a, a long case clock here in the, in the Philadelphia style, but we must say that it, it's very reminiscent of Whitehead in the other room. We, we talked about the, the, uh, the bonnet or the hood would have this very abrupt vertical. I mean, it looks almost identical. So it's, it's, it's very close. And sometimes you, you must remember that these cases were made by furniture makers and or coffin makers. So when they weren't burying people and making coffins, they were making long case clocks. So it's kind of the same thing, uh, but with a lot more ornamentation. So this could have been a generic local furniture maker or coffin maker making this type of case. And maybe uh, John Wood dropped his, his, his uh, mechanism in it or, or Whitehead did. So, uh, so quite interesting to say the least. But uh, identical plinth, identical uh, center finial, uh, the, the molding at the top instead of being a cove is, is a cove and a bead. Um, a little more robust bus colonnettes, I'd say they're three quarters uh, or seven eighths terminating down at the top of the colonnette to about seven eighths. And uh, we have a brass and silver dial. The chapter ring is silver with the engravings filled of Roman numerals and Arabic numerals on the perimeter no uh, indicators between the Roman numerals. We have a seconds bit, and we have a, a kind of a brushed or, uh, or uh, peened type, peened type uh, center in the center of the chapter ring, date aperture, the hands are black, and we have cast spandrels, cast spandrels in the four quadrants. And in the top, there's a boss, a silver boss with a frame around it. The, the silver boss is framed by a brass, bright brass frame flanked by uh, spandrels around the boss. John Wood, Philadelphia, in a very lovely script. It's fairly, very high-grade engraving. Uh, as we move down the, uh, you know, the trunk of the case or just under the, the hood, instead of being a, a massive cove, we have a, a massive OG there. So the OG forms the major molding as we flow down into the center or mid case and uh, the, the actual corners um, of, of the, the mid-case are kind of a bead, an inset bead, which is about a quarter-inch bead that goes top to bottom and no termination of any type of lamb's tongue. So a quarter-inch bead down the corners. We have a one-piece door. As I'm looking at the door, the door is cupped. And traditionally, doors like this are finished on the outside, not the inside. And the, uh, where the outside is, you have more finish. So you're slowing down the amount of oxygen and moisture that can come into the wood. The inside is kind of free-flowing. I can feel it's hand-planed. So the door tends to cup outward. And it's not, a, it's not a rectangular door, nor is it framed with any beading. It's actually a more of a turtle. It's a, it's a type of design cut out on the top, uh, which is not mimicked by the bottom turtle panel. Um, you have those strap-type uh, clock hinges, which we're well aware of, with the inside strap on the door being about three inches long in brass. And then we have a myriad of writing about John Wood and the inside door with, uh, 
with types of chalk and, and also writings on the inside of actual um, you know, dates of, of restoration on this clock or servicing of this clock. I'm looking at 18, 1894, 1790 is a date, 1813, and it goes on and on. Um, 1797 so it's showing you uh, there's about 20 or 30 service dates in here some are faded and it's coming from very different hands it's not so somebody I don't think somebody has come in here to fake this so very different hands have uh, put this in and very different means of communi communicating that hand very different types of chalk we can see right now so and the weights are lead weights they're not uh, they're not uh, they're not cast iron weights so we have the uh, we have the pendulum set in motion right now. Let's see if we can get the bell, what kind of bell we have. So as we go down the case, we go down to another OG, which is the, the heavy molding between the base and the, and the midsection. The, the base is nothing more than a plain panel um, protruding out. It's not a raised panel, but it's a, a panel with some rounded corners, like a, a quarter, quarter round, but with no fillet. And uh, the piece is raised, which I think are replacements, um, replaced on four turned feet, which are approximately two inches high. Um, this piece would have been placed on bracket OG feet. But as we've spoken uh, some other times, that these feet, when placed on various types of brick or stone, would rot. And, you know, when you start to rot, it's, the piece would start to go sideways. Somebody may come in and just knock them off. So it looks like somebody has turned four very poorly... Uh, poorly turned feet that don't match this clock at all. They're very diminutive. It's like a six, six foot eight man. It's wearing a, a size four shoe. So it's not quite what you'd expect for a six foot eight man. So let's move through the uh, museum a little more here. Let's see what else we can find. So there's about eight rooms in the museum. Um, great interest to find. Let's see, what do we have here? We have a uh, we have a banjo clock. We have a, a, a Willard banjo clock. Um, the painting is correct. Reverse painting on glass with uh, gilt, gilt and uh, a burgundy paint in black. And, uh, you know, so these are, these are pretty much plain Jane, but uh, for those who are not familiar with it, this banjo style was prevalent in the New England area, and it's, it's worth a see. But today we're going to kind of extrapolate on the tall case clocks again. So we have a, a, another tall case clock here in Mahogany. Um, but unfortunately, it's an unnamed one. We don't like to see that. We love to have attributions. So we don't really know where it's from, but uh, it, feels, it feels more English than the others. It feels typically English. But uh, remember, some of the styles lag behind it were exact copies here in the colonies. So again, we're back to the bonnet. Um, this is more of a traditional bonnet that the, the goosenecks, uh, so-called, doesn't go up so radically. And it has a nice flow about it. And you have three finials, one in the center, which is held, the cap is held up by a fluted type plinth. And you have the left and right flanking finials just over the edge of the corner molding of the top. And they're fluted also, but they have no caps. So there may be something going on there, but nevertheless, a, a, beautiful, uh, a beautiful structure here for the novice or for the uh, horological connoisseur alike to come take a look at. Um, so we have mahogany, we have a beautiful crotch mahogany door just in the offing, just to take that, that you know, 20, 10 foot back look. This is a white painted dial with Arabic and Roman numerals, black hands, minute hand. We have a, a seconds bit 
And this is, a, again, a rolling moon wheel. Uh, it's probably comparable to the quality of this, of the Whitehead clock. The, the globes are, again, exceptional. They're inked in and showing continents, lines of latitude and longitude. And uh, you see the, you know, 1 to 29 and a half for the rolling moon wheel on the top. But in the spandrels here, we have the, the raised gesso, with, uh, which is gilt. And, uh, you know, we have a type of flower motif in the corners. So uh, colonnettes, uh, a little bit more diminutive than the last, are going from about 3 quarters to 5 eighths, no flutes. Um, just a simple bulbous design. And uh, under the hood is a massive cove, which flows down into the mid midsection or midcase. Now, here we have fluted quarter columns with capitals top and bottom, typical hardcore case design. Uh, we have a, a fitted, fitted lock with a typical Chippendale discussion. This again, this clock is about the 1770s. But see, this clock which is a little more suspect. It has a, a backboard that goes totally vertical top to bottom. So, um, you know, we have a little bit of a, we have a, some information inside uh, about the clock, but you know, the problem is uh, when somebody just tapes a piece of paper in, I never trust it. People like to make up history, whether they're their historic homes or, so they really try to sex things up too much to make, make it sounds like they have something they don't. So we take that uh, piece on the inside of the door with an extreme grain of salt. And sometimes you want to take the actual, uh, the actual written name and, and location as a, as a grain of salt, too, because a lot of these, even in the early 18th century, were sold, particularly in London and to a lesser extent here in the colonies and the larger cities, at retail outlets. And, you know, just hypothetically, you would say, like Macy's would subcontract with a clockmaker, and he built a grandfather clock or tall case clock, and and put uh, maybe the name, say, William Macy on it or something, Philadelphia. So that starts getting everything jumbled up and confused. Now, was that the maker or was that the retailer? So we find that maybe by the 1710s, 1720s, retailers were concocting their own names. They may put Thomas Chippendale, the, you know, uh, Barrow or something. Uh, so um, putting popular names, doing anything to help sell these uh, so these clocks. So, and as we terminate down into the midsection, again, we go into a uh, kind of a flowing OG, which is the mid to base molding. And the base, again, has uh, quarter columns fluted with capitals on the top. And the front panel is just a flat board. So the base is made out of three sides of just flat stock. And then it's picture framed out with a molding that's applied on. It's like a quarter inch uh, beaded molding. And the top corners are quarter rounded. Uh, and this piece is terminated with these turned feet. Um, I think this piece is not right again because this is a, a piece the third quarter of the 18th century would have not had these type of turned feet. These are an afterthought or again, rotted feet have been replaced incorrectly. But never the, nevertheless, a, a great antiquarian horological artifact. It has great structure and, and it's in wonderful proportion. So I would highly recommend anyone to come out and start comparing and contrasting these various types of long case clocks. I think we have one more. We have to make a trek up the stairs. And throughout the museum, there's, there's chests on chests. There's various types of card tables and, and things of that nature. High chest. We have a very high chest. So we're making our way up the stairs. So this is this is another really important clock here, and, and you know as we know this area was settled not just by the Wood family by the Coopers, and 
anybody knows this is uh, Cooper River, you know, Cooper River. And, and so this is by Isaac M. Cooper, who, who actually settled here in Woodbury and just a huge name in uh, Cooper Hospital in Camden, you know, one of the leading medical centers in the tri-state area. So um, we, have, we have here a, a walnut case and uh, yes, we have a walnut case here and it looks like this piece could be sexed up a little bit. So what we have is a walnut case and what I believe is uh, Cooper uh, is really known for his flat top clocks. So we had a flat top clock. It's, it's sitting about six and a half feet high, maybe a little more. But someone has come in and they put a gooseneck molding on top with three finials and carved rosette. And it really jumps out and he's saying, this is not right. And I can, I can see the wood grain is not matching. You know, wood grain is not matching the molding below or the tympanum or the facade. So, uh, you know, this is probably 100, 150 years ago, but this is definitely a, a late 18 or early 19th century clock. That's when Cooper was in practice here in Woodburn. So uh, what we have, uh, interesting, the first clock of all the clocks we've talked about thus far it has the side lights, and they're in the shape of a tombstone on both sides, and that's to, that's to, to let the, the bell sound a little bit better. Uh, we have a white painted dial, Roman numerals, and uh, Arabic numerals also. It doesn't have the, the, quite the kick of the other ones. It just doesn't have the refinement in, in the numerals or anything about the dial, even the painting. The spandrels have just raised in gesso with dots and almost like a little pinwheel, but very bucolic backwoods type carving. It does have a seconds bit, black and uh, black minute in, in uh, our hands. And it has a, a second, or a, I'm sorry, a date aperture. Two winding holes with inset brass plugs. And in the, uh, in the arch, it has the same very uh, bucolic type flower that's not even a flower, but uh, in some scrolls and vines that again, raised in gesso. So the, the dial is uh, just so-so, mediocre. Um, the colonnettes on the hood are even smaller yet. They think they're gonna go down from five eighths down to half inch or less. And just straight tapers uh, with you know some capital beading on the top and bottom. The top, uh, the, the hood rather goes down as it goes into the midsection, goes into a rather large cove. And uh, as far as the corners that flank the side of the door, they are chamfered, and they're not even—they're not even terminating in lamb's tongues. They're just uh, chamfered uh, with, with a with a rasp and file. And the mid door is rectangular with a, with an eighth-inch beading on it. And we have a fitted lock and door. And again, what we have in the back is we have the horizontal boards, a little bit of writing, a little bit of service dates. 18, 1855 is one service date in here. Has a brass pendulum bob. And as we go down further down the case, we have a very complex uh, OG with bead uh, midsection. And the base section is just three sides of flat timber with a, with a side chamfer and terminating some really, really bad French feet. I mean, they, they, they're really underdeveloped. Um, there's not a lot of movement on them. And there's a little bit of a, a kind of a fake carved in knee block. So overall, a bit of a mundane case, but the, what makes this clock uh, supremely important is that it's from Isaac Cooper here in Woodbury. So, and I think, uh, I think that's, that's about it for our uh, horological uh, walkthrough of the museum here. So hopefully this just entices everyone. I think everyone can get a really good feel from this collection of the 18th century 
uh, and what the museum has to offer in, in tall case blocks. So, and just a, just a smitten. I mean, we have things here for the kids, some, some trains and things like that. So there, there's a little bit for everybody here. And uh, please call ahead for the hours. Now, because of the, we're, we're shut down and with, the, with this virus and the, the museum's trying to keep everyone on here. We have a lot of part-timers here that work in the museum and everyone's been trained for a number of years. So they're trying to pay everyone to work at home and I, we can only do this for so long. So anybody that wishes to make a donation to the museum or the historical society is welcome. But I'm gonna give you the address and uh, it's the Gloucester County Historical Society and that's 17 Hunter Street, Woodbury, New Jersey, 08096. And they've been a, they're a profit, nonprofit organization, a private nonprofit organization founded in 1903. And again, everything is uh, taken care of to the utmost here. When something arises, it's taken care of rather quickly. And uh, it's all about conservation, in-house conservation. So uh, you'll be happy to spend two or three hours here in a very small museum. I mean, that's putting it generally. I mean, you could spend a whole day here, there's no doubt. So. Uh, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservation, signing out here in historic Woodbury, New Jersey.